Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. I'm your host, Rick Spence, business journalist, editor, public speaker, and entrepreneur. After 15 years as the national entrepreneurship columnist at the National Post, and as the former editor and publisher of Profit, the magazine for Canadian entrepreneurs, I've learned what makes Canadian startups special, scalable, and successful. On this show, we connect you with Canada's most innovative and entrepreneurial leaders and changemakers. You'll meet the people driving the entrepreneurial movement and we'll share their first-person adventures and their tips, hacks, and best advice for running startup and growth companies. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 3.5 million entrepreneurs. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. To entrepreneurs everywhere, this is your show. Entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. On the show today, we're thrilled to have award-winning retailer and professional speaker, Donald Cooper. Donald Cooper transforms business and business people. He's helped companies throughout the world add more value to their customers' lives. Donald started his business career at the age of six, sweeping the floor in the family business for five cents a day. He earned an MBA from the University of Western Ontario, and then he spent 18 years at Cooper Canada, the family business which you may have heard of. Cooper Canada became the world's leading maker of hockey equipment and a Canadian brand icon. At age 43, Donald left the family business, reinventing himself as a fashion retailer. In just three years, he fundamentally redefined the customer experience, for which he received seven awards of excellence for marketing, service, and business innovation. Donald now helps companies rethink and reinvent themselves to create compelling customer value, clarity of purpose, and long-term profitability. For his unique business content and compelling presentation style, he's been inducted into the Canadian Speaking Hall of Fame, and he's one of the smartest and most creative entrepreneurs I've ever met. Donald, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks, Rick. No, no pressure, no pressure there at all. Um, my yes, I have a unique position in that I have been both a world-class manufacturer and an award-winning retailer, so I've been on both sides of the fence. I've seen it from both perspectives, and for now over 25 years, I've been working in over 40 industries around the world on and in, in, committed to helping people uh, create extraordinary outcomes for their business and their life. So let's get started. <laughs> All right. All right. The first question I traditionally ask my guests is, um, you know, are there a couple of key ideas that you hope that our listeners will take away from this episode? A few things that'll make them want to stay riveted in their seats for the next 40 minutes. This is going to be packed with, with actionable uh, information and insight. So as I thought about that question, I thought of a, a perspective that, that, that nobody much talks about or even looks at that I would start off with. And that is that there are two different channels of business, each of them with very different challenges. The first channel, as I refer to it, is bringing to market a product, service, or technology that's so completely new that no one has ever previously thought of it or even heard of it. So you have a real education job to do because nobody knew that this was a possibility. 
The second channel is jumping into an existing market or industry that is already overserved and underdifferentiated. And it's important to know which of those two channels you're in because the challenges, the opportunities, and the strategies are entirely different, which each of those. So I thought there's an insight that, that nobody much talks about. So I would start with that one. That's beautiful. Why don't we jump right into that? Um, because um, you're absolutely right. So many entrepreneurs today are coming up with, 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 with brand new ideas that, um, that they have to sell and educate people on at the same time. So you did a little bit of that at Alive and Well, and maybe you have other examples that you're thinking of. Can you tell me a little bit about what the, what, what, what the key thing is you have to do when your job is to teach and then sell? Well, yes, the, the, uh, it, it's, it's this education job. It's getting the message out there that this is something new. Uh, there's, there's a few examples. Tooth whitening in the last uh, eight or 10 years has become a huge industry. Nobody thought about how important it was to have white teeth prior to that. Now, the people who got into it mainly were the big toothpaste companies. They added whitening, and but there's other whitening services. You can get it done at your dentist for hundreds and hundreds of dollars. And so there's an educational uh, element to it, or if it's, a, if it's a technology or whatever, so that people know that this might sound completely new and a bit uh, intimidating or confusing, but it's going to change your life or your business in in some significant way. So the for in the first channel of something completely new and different, it's an education job, but in the second channel, it's a differentiation job. The market's already overserved and underdifferentiated and uh, you know everybody knows what pizza is, but the town of Gravenhurst doesn't actually need seven pizza shops, which it has. <laughs> And so if you're going to be the eighth pizza shop, everyone knows what pizza is. No education is required. It's a clear differentiating job that you have. What's your best differentiation tip? Oh, I think there's not one tip. We're going to get into the process of that, of, of, of understanding that in, in later questions. It's not as simple. Lay one on me. Lay one on it's me. It's not a simple, quick answer. All right. All right. All right. Um, I've got to ask you, Donald, um, your origin story is one of the best I've heard. And I should mention to readers that um, Donald and I, we've been, I, I've been writing about him and covering him uh, since my days at Profit Magazine and, and going back a, a couple decades and following his development as a retailer and a speaker. And just his, his, his that origin story is one that, that really moved me when I interviewed him. Uh, a few years ago, and uh, the, his story was so great that that the article that I wrote had to be continued in the next issue because we just we just couldn't cut it. It was so, it was so full of good stuff. You you grew up in a family run by a, a very uh, successful entrepreneur, and it, it 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 shaped you in a number of ways. I wonder if you can just tell me a little bit about that experience because a lot of our our, our listeners who are entrepreneurs or family people, and it might help them to hear what it's like being the child of an entrepreneur. Uh, much of my work now as a business coach is with struggling 
family businesses. I have three clients in that category right now, and uh, it's uh, there are there are huge uh, challenges because uh, the 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 next generation often sees it so differently and uh, will jump immediately to my insight that I was going to talk about later on about don't make your business your neat fort. Uh, we all built neat forts when we were kids. We, we, we put a blanket over the dining room table and chairs and climbed underneath or we took a big cardboard box and made a neat fort or if we were more adventurous we built a tree fort. But we all built uh, neat forts when we were kids. But what we don't think of so much is that adults build neat forts too. It's called their business. It's where they go to hide from reality. It's where they go to feel safe, secure, and in control. And Cooper Canada, uh, my father was a brilliant guy and probably the straightest shooter that I've ever that I've ever met. But Cooper Canada became his neat fort. It's where he went to hide from reality. And I'll never forget the day that my brother and I walked into the chief, as everyone called our father, the chief. My brother and I were chieflets. That was fun. We, we, we walked into the chief's office, closed the door, sat down, and we said, chief, what do you really want from this business? We were doing $100 million in sales. We had 3,000 employees, started with 11 employees, and built it in two generations to 3,000 employees. And we were a public company, and so we, we were not a hot dog stand. And, and so we'd never, as a family, we'd never had this courageous conversation. We need to have courageous conversations. And we'd never done that. So my brother and I said, Chief, what do you really want from this business? And without hesitation, Father looked up and he said, I want to feel comfortable. Now, running a business is not comfortable. There's lots of uncomfortable things that need to be dealt with. And so if you're going to work every day to be comfortable in your neat fort, you and the business are in trouble sooner or later. And so the ability to, to have conversations, and I have a business tool uh, on that subject of, of what is required for a partnership or family business because a family business is simply a partnership where blood boils at room temperature. <laughs> and, and so I have a business tool and anyone who's listening to this, they can just email me and ask for my business tool on what it takes for a family business or partnership to survive. Just Donald at donaldcooper.com and just ask me for the family business tool and I'll send it out to you. No hooks, uh, no charge. Um, but that's, that's one of the biggest ones. They're just, aren't these courageous conversations. And, and the parents don't want to deal with the fact that is the next generation two things that matter, interested and capable. Are, is, is the next generation interested and capable? And one out of two is not good enough. And so anyway, the, 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 this uh, just ask, ask me for the tool. It it's, it's, takes like five minutes to do. And I should mention, you've got a ton of tools, and they're and, and I've uh, used them before and looked at them, and, and they're really accessible, really common sense based, and very powerful. So, yes, by all okay, means. Okay, so Rick, let's touch. deal with that right now. Get it out of the way. And that is 
that they can, because I charge big money for this for this stuff. But for your listeners, uh, free access to my complete set of business assessment and management implementation tools. You simply type into the search bar at the top of your search engine thing. Um, www.donaldcooper.com forward slash F oh sorry YFBT forward slash YFBT your free business tools and you will have free access to something that I don't ever give away Thank you so much. That's a very generous offer, and I can only say that the, the Donald stuff is terrific. He's uh, his his radar senses, his spidey senses are attuned to so many aspects of business, and he has the creativity to find solutions. So uh, be sure to take take him up on that at donaldcooper.com. So, so Donald, you've been a world class manufacturer, award winning retailer, business coach. Uh, for us as business owners and managers. What would you say is our most important job? Our first and most important job is clarity. Regardless of what anyone tells you, your first job is clarity. Because if you, as a business owner, leader, or manager, are not clear about certain specific things, who else in the organization could possibly be clear if you're not? So our first job is clarity. Clarity about who our target customers are, and what life's really like for them. Clarity about the compelling customer value and experience that we commit to always deliver. Clarity about what we commit to become in this business and how we'll get there. And that will be our vision and our mission. We're gonna talk about that later. Number four, clarity about the extraordinary bottom line that we commit to generate. And number five, Clarity about how we commit to behave along the way, our values, our ethics, and our standards. Now, you'll notice I talk about commitments. I said, what do we commit to deliver? What do we commit to become? What's the bottom line we commit to generate? How do we commit to behave along the way? Every business in the world talks about goals, targets, aims, and objectives. And I'm on a worldwide campaign to get rid of all those weak and wishy-washy words that leave way too much wiggle room to not perform and replace all those weak and wishy-washy words, goals, targets, aims, and objectives with one word, commitments. There's a huge difference between a goal and a commitment. My goal was to stay with my first wife. My commitment is to stay with my third wife. It, 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 it feels different, it is different, and it has been different for 32 years with my third wife. So uh, a target is something we hit sometimes and miss other times, and it's okay, it's just a target. But a commitment, and people say, oh, you're just playing with words, it's just semantics. No, we become what we speak. And when we run a com an organization based on commitments, to the customer, to each other on the team, to the bottom line, to our community, to the environment. When we create a culture of commitment, it fundamentally changes our business because we become what we speak. Have you been able to work with any companies and actually change those wishy-washy targets and objectives into commitments? And have you Com seen completely have you seen a change you can tell yep. us about? Completely changed cultures in businesses, some small and some medium and some quite large. 
I have, I'm working right now with a Swedish global company, $3 billion. They do business in 120 countries around the world. Biggest client I've ever worked with. And one of their senior executives told me in a call the other day that my, my simple concept of commitments, and which means that every time we ask someone to do a, a project or every time we assign a task, we look them in the eye and we ask them 10 magical words. By when can we agree that this will be completed? And you ask for a commitment and you write it down and you follow up. The world is run by people who follow up. And she said, already in only six weeks that you've been working with our global company, you have started to change our culture and you have certainly changed my effectiveness, she told me. Uh, in running my part of the business. And that's very cool because I normally work with small and medium-sized businesses. This huge company approached me uh, with a huge monetary offer and I thought, well, who the, who the heck am I to have a better opinion of my value than they do? Donald, you've mentioned five clarities that businesses need to achieve. Is that all there is? Well, there's actually 10 clarities, Rick. And I have a business tool on this. It's tool number A4. So whoever's going to go and download donaldcooper.com forward slash YB, uh, sorry, YFBT, your free business tools, it's number A4. For absolutely sure, download that one. It's key. Next question. <laughs> All right. I've heard that, you, 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 that there are two complaints that you hear most often from business owners around the world. So what are they? Yep. Yep. It's absolutely universal. The two biggest complaints are, number one, uh, there's no such thing as customer loyalty anymore. And, and that's just a lie. It's a lie we tell ourselves so we don't have to do the work to become the wise choice for our target customers. So if, if we believe that God's making people differently and there's no loyalty anymore, we can just sit at our desk and wait for God to fix it. But that's not going to work. So here's the truth about customer loyalty. People are loyal to what's best for them or what they assume is best for them. So we have two jobs. Do the damn work to be the wise choice, clear and compelling wise choice for your target customers. Job number one. Job number two, make sure that you communicate that compelling value in everything you do because there's no point in being the best if you're also the best kept secret. So the first biggest complaint, no such thing as customer loyalty, it's a lie. People are begging for businesses to be loyal to in every part of their business and their personal life. The second biggest complaint is very similar. You can't get good staff anymore. And apparently for the same reason, God's making people differently. But the truth is that the best people have to work for somebody. It's just that you have to deserve them. You have to do the work to deserve the talent you need. Wow. So mediocrity is no longer an option in terms of creating customer loyalty and a mediocre place to work is no longer an option if you want to attract talent. And the biggest battle in business today is the battle for talent because every problem in your business is a talent problem. When you go into businesses and, and talk to them and poke around to, 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 to see what's under the hood, um, do you find mediocre places to work is, is, a, is a real problem? Oh, huge, huge. What, what makes a, a, a place mediocre? They don't, they don't pay well enough. You, my simple thing, pay more and expect more. Pay more and expect less, that's going to kill you quickly. Pay more and expect more. 
The best people never work for the least amount of money. It's an insult to ask them. They won't do it anyway. Um, and then s simple kinds of recognition and thank you and and the proper training. What what about see, people say to me all the time? How do I get my people to be more committed to the business and 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 more engaged in the business? And I say people can be committed to only three things in 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 your in your business uh, and engaged. People can be excited, passionate about three things: where we've been where we're going and what we stand for along the way. So where we've been is our history. Most companies don't teach their history. Who's more patriotic, Americans or Canadians? The answer is Americans, because they teach their history. Daniel Boone, Davy Crockett, Abraham Lincoln. One girl in grade four wrote, Abraham Lincoln was born in a log cabin which he built with his own hands. Now that's patriotic. <laughs> you know? And in Canada, we had Louis Riel and we hung him. So, I mean, it just they teach their history. Teach your history. You've been there since day one. You know what it is. They've just walked in the door. They don't. Number two, they can be excited about where we're going. And what companies don't do is share their vision for the future of the company. And, and lots of them don't have a vision for the future to share. But the ones that do, they don't share. None of your damn business. But we want you to be excited about helping us getting where we're going. But we're not going to tell you where we're going. And then what we stand for along the way, our values, our ethics, our standards. Three things they can be proud of, where we've been, where we're going, and what we stand for along the way. And so many businesses are zero for three on, on that. So, And then they wonder why their, their, their employees are not excited and passionate and engaged. You're zero for three. That, that, that's amazing. Uh, the way you are able to label the problems on businesses is, 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 has always been amazing to me. Uh, you, 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 you boil those problems down to their essentials, and I really like that. You said, pay more, expect more. How, how does that work in real life? How do you expect more? Well, it, it gets back to clarity, clarity about what their job is, clarity about where the business is going, and um, and and assigning people responsibilities with the by when can we agree that this will be completed most companies simply do not have clear expectations of their of their of their staff they don't take the time to to communicate that so if we assign tasks and we say by when can we expect that this will be completed it'll become pretty obvious who actually meets those commitments and who doesn't. Because one of the other biggest problem in businesses around the world today, Rick, is failure to deal with non-performance. I had a, a coaching client say to me recently, I guess I suck at consequence management. New term, consequence management. I said, well, what do you mean by that? I knew what he, what he meant, but I, I said, what do you mean? Because I wanted to hear him say it. Uh, my people don't do what they're supposed to, and I don't do a damn thing about it. I suck at consequence management. Failure to deal with non-performance, one of the biggest problems in business today. How might an entrepreneur who <laughs> who identifies with that issue, and I bet there's a lot of them, how might they go about changing that? Well, I have a business. I have a business tool on you that. You don't. Come on. I do, and right. I forget which number it is, but it's it's um, the, the title of it. For those who are going to download the tools, make a note. The title of that tool. There's 52 tools in this whole package, but the title of this one is 13 Reasons for Staff Not Performing and Whose Fault Are They." 
And you know what, Rick? 12 out of the 13 are our fault, not theirs. So it's it's a tough read. It's tough to read 13 reasons uh, for our staff not performing. And then Cooper tells you that 12 of them are your fault, not the employees. That's a tough read. But it's a necessary read because the beginning of wisdom is the recognition of reality. Right. It's empowering to realize that that this is within my scope of influence. I can make a difference there. I can yeah. get better at consequences management. It's just easier to point at them than it is to point at ourselves. That's human nature. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, tell me a, a little bit um, about Alive and Well. Tell me the story about when you left from the manufacturing business and decided to, to do something on your own. You created a store, a women's fashion warehouse boutique, if I recall the yes. genre specifically. And you had a pirate ship in the middle of the store. Tell me just yep. a little bit about that. So, um, yeah, I was in the sporting goods and, and leather goods manufacturing business, accidentally became a retailer of ladies' clothing. I had no experience with ladies' clothing. I'd never bought ladies' clothing. I'd never sold ladies' clothing. I'd never even worn Lady, well, actually, a couple of times it was it was Halloween or one of one of them was Halloween. But anyway, so the fact is, here's the beauty of it, Rick. I had no unlearning to do. It's the unlearning that's tough, not the learning. Unlearning is tough. I had no unlearning to do. So here's what I did. I sat down and I thought and felt what it was like to be a woman buying clothing. So, so every, every touch point, every step, what's the sign on the front door of every lady's clothing store in the world? No food or beverages, bugger off, go away, don't bother us. I mean, they never finish the sign, but we do in our hearts. We, we know what they're saying. So no food or drink, sign the management. You know, if you're going to be offensive, be anonymous. We all know who makes up the signs. So, so we, we, I built a beautiful big mahogany drink bar and served six kinds of herb tea, two kinds of coffee, two kinds of fruit drink or spring water in real mugs. Help yourself. No charge in, in, in my warehouse boutique, as you recall, it was I defined it. So um, then the second sign in every lady's clothing store on the change rooms is limit three items in the change room. You crook another unfinished sign. And so. So I thought, well, that's offensive because what that sign really says, we don't like you, we don't trust you, and we don't understand you, but we do want you to spend money here. I mean, that's just insanely stupid. So so our sign, we became world famous for this, our signs on 50 change rooms, 5-0 change rooms said, please change rooms many. in one store. Yeah, one, it, was, it was a 13,000 square foot store, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> and we had 50 change rooms because important people never wait. If the queen wants to go to Disney World, they shut down Disney World so the queen doesn't have to line up to go on the crazy teacups or whatever the queen would like to ride on. So important people never have to wait. And every minute of waiting, there's lots of studies on this, every minute of waiting feels like three to five minutes of waiting for the person who's waiting. So, uh, I have a, an armful of clothing I want to buy, and now I'm made to feel unimportant and insignificant by having to wait for a change room. Not at our place. There were 50 change rooms. So, and they were 16 square feet each, not nine square feet, as every other store had, because the amount of space we give people is also a powerful clue as to how important we think they are. 
rich people live in bigger houses and drive bigger cars than poor people. It just works that way. So our change rooms were much bigger than, and they had four hooks. I mean, just think it through. Think it through every step of the way for your customers. We, here's what I figured out with no previous experience. A woman needs four hooks in a change room, one for her clothes that she has to take off to try mine on, <clears throat> one for the clothes she wants to try on, one for the clothes she's decided to buy, and one for the clothes she's decided not to buy that have to go back and be hung up. One, two, three, four. I mean, I was the only one in retail, fashion retail, in the world who could count to four. That's that, that's such a beautiful insight. One one hook for the ones I want to buy, one that I don't. And yeah, that's, how many times have we been frustrated by by not enough coat hooks? So it's just that extra six, level of empathy. Bucks, you know, hooks are six bucks each. Get a grip here. So anyway, so the sign said, please take as many items on the change room in the change room as you wish. We put a security tag on everything because we're we're nice, not stupid. And, and so we were protected by the, but the, but the stores in the malls that have the, 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 the offensive sign limit three items in the change room, you crook, also put a security tag on everything. It's just, it's insane. It's insulting. So then I built the pirate ship play area because what I figured out is you, you got to get the kid off the leg. You, a woman cannot try on a, a pair of pants in a change room with a child laminated to her leg, screaming to go home. You got to delaminate the kid. So I spent $54,000 to get the kid off the leg. I built a 28-foot pirate ship play area in the center of the store. But here's the cool thing. I walked by the pirate ship one day, and I heard a five-year-old say to his mother, Mommy, can we live here? And every business is different. I get it. Your listeners are not running clothing stores, most likely. But, but every business is the same in regards to this question. Do your customers want to live with you? Do they want to keep coming back? Do they want to become your most effective and, and, uh, and, and most cost-effective advertising because you blew them away and they're telling all their friends? And so we became famous. And we also had the world's most unusual guarantee. We said, we're so sure you'll love our store that if you show up and think we're for the birds, I'll pay your gas mileage. And in 12 years, that cost me less than $200 in 12 years in gas mileage. And, and so first you get good and then you brag. Advertising is creative bragging. And here's how it works. First you get good and then you brag. You don't brag and then try to figure out how the heck you're gonna pull it off. We also, in our customer wash rooms, we had change tables with three sizes of free diapers, diaper wipes, and cream for babies in distress. And our competitor said, Donald, you can't do that. The odd woman will steal a diaper. And I said, oh, we got that covered. We don't let odd women in our store. I don't even know what that means. But we all need to lighten up because whatever we sell, people come to us for that plus joy. Groceries plus joy. Technology plus joy. New car plus joy. In a, in a market where there's too many other people selling what you're selling, and we all charge about the same, we look about the same, we sound about the same, as goofy as it sounds, joy could be your sustainable competitive advantage.
Wow. And uh, just to put a bottom line on, on, on the exploits there, I think, I can't remember the numbers, but as I recall, your sales per square foot was like unheard of. All this joy is a real thing that created value. Yeah. We, we hit uh, sales of almost $800 a square foot at a time when our competitors in malls paying huge rent were averaging about $180, $200 a foot. We were at almost $800 a foot. And I was in warehouse space for which I paid $8.5 a foot, square foot rent a year with no plus, plus, pluses. Amazing. So that's why I called it a warehouse boutique. I rented eight and a half dollar a square foot space and created a destination warehouse boutique in space where I was saving a million dollars a year on rent alone. And you can do a lot of neat stuff for customers with a million bucks a year. That's, a, uh, that's such a good story. Do you think that, I mean, you entered an overcrowded space in, in women's clothing and you made it yours, you, you found the niche, you added the joy. Do you think there's still that opportunity in most lines of business today that if you really understand the customer, bring some joy, build some trust, you can, you can still make it big just about anywhere or do you think those days are gone? Oh, I think it's the only way. I mean, we, we need to be extraordinary. Mediocrity is no longer an option. I'm old enough to remember when you could make a very good living being mediocre in any line of work. You could be a mediocre funeral home and you could do very well. Those days are gone forever. Mediocrity is no longer an option, which is why you need to love what you do because no one's going to love it more than you do. You need to love what you do or you're never going to put in the work required to be extraordinary day after day after day. If you don't love it, get the hell out. You know, clearly one of the, the trends in business today is that so many startups and new companies are technologically based and and they have direct links to customers, but they're all uh, mediated by technology and by the screen in front of you and your keyboard and everything. Can, can, can one bring joy to a business like that? Can one create that same level of fun and imagination in, in, in virtual businesses, online businesses, that sort of thing? Well, what's the famous shoe company? The the founder passed away last year. Um, it got sold out. Uh, oh, anyway. it's the tip of my tongue. Don't make the me. big yeah yeah yes. the big online shoe company. Yeah, bought and, by and Amazon. They, they created they created joy and and energy and passion and an extraordinary uh, customer experience. It's about the leadership. It's about the mentality and passion of the leadership. But uh, I just fine-tuned my article on branding. What is a brand and how to create three steps to creating an extraordinary, powerful brand. And I had some few uh, additional insights and I just added that in. If anyone's interested in that ad, sorry, in that article, just Donald, Co Donald at donaldcooper.com, Donald at donaldcooper.com, yeah. And just ask me for my article on branding and I'll, I'll send it along. It's it's just, the, the, I spend months figuring this stuff out. It's very difficult to summarize it in, in, a, in, a, in a podcast. But the beautiful part is you make it sound easy. 
Oh, it's not easy. It's simple. Here's the thing. It's simple. All this stuff is simple. I get people when I used to to do uh, 150 live or not 150, sorry, 100 and something anyway, live sessions a year around the world. And people would come up to me and say, you get paid how much for stating the obvious? And I'd say, well, if it's so darn obvious, how come you're not doing it? And by the way, I state the obvious really, really well. It's it's it's. It's, it's, it, it is simple. Our job, our, my job, your job, the job of all the people listening in their business, in, in, in their approach to their customers, is to be a clarifier and a simplifier in a hugely confused and complex world. Whether you're selling pizza or technology, your job is to be a simplifier and a clarifier to help your customers make wise choices quickly and easily great stuff we're, we're we're running out of time here but I, I i do want to try and get one more little discussion going um you have a very special take on what you believe that a business's vision and mission ought to be can you just share a little bit about that yeah most companies get this one so wrong it's a sad joke um that you know the, we've all seen these business visions we love our customers we honor the diversity of our staff god's a nice person the planet's a great place to hang around we'll work hard and have fun sign the management and they they either pay a consultant 30 grand to come up with this embarrassing stuff or they go on a retreat i've never understood going on a retreat to figure out how to move forward. I mean, look up the word retreat in the dictionary, means to give up and go backwards. But we go on a retreat to figure out how to move forwards. Confuses the heck out of me. But anyway, I spent seven years on this and uh, thinking about this whole vision mission thing. First of all, we need a statement of purpose. And I've got a whole thing on this as well. So you can, you can, uh, uh, a tool on vision and mission, sorry, uh, an article on vision and mission. If they want it, just Donald at donaldcooper.com, shoot me your vision mission article and I will. Um, <clears throat> but I created the concept of an operational vision statement, six points on one piece of paper that is clear, specific, and measurable. No airy-fairy, unmeasurable stuff. But we start off with a, with, a, with a statement of purpose and then a statement of values, and then we come up with this three to five year operational vision. And it states specifically six points, specifically and measurably what we commit to become, commit to become, not just giving it a shot, um, in three to five years. And then we have an annual mission saying what we're going to do each year to get to that three to five year, seven years, I studied this thing. And I even have a vision critical guide available on my website, donaldcooper.com. It's not free. It's $24 for seven years of my work. Uh, But it's it's a template, a tool to to create a clear uh, statement of of purpose, statement of values, uh, three to five year vision and a, a set of annual missions that make it happen. And so it's just, it's embarrassing to see the stuff that companies call uh, a vision statement. They, they have it mixed up with their purpose, their values. The whole, it's just a mess. So uh, let me just go. ask you one final question. I, I, I think you have amazing x-ray vision at, at, at seeing and identifying faults in businesses. Has there ever been a business that you encountered where you thought, man, they're doing everything right? One of the best businesses I ever worked with was doing so much right, fabulous company, world leader in Windsor, Ontario. And yet they brought me back twice 
to fine tune them. And now the, the CEO says we've become an entirely different business uh, because of the few days that you spent with us. And that's a hug. I mean, it's, it's great to get the, the, the paychecks, but man, it's great to get the hugs. For me, the definition of life balance is that I'm getting both checks and hugs. Because if, if you're getting checks but no hugs, the checks will stop soon. And if you're getting, no, if you're getting hugs but no checks, then uh, it's tough to take the hugs to the grocery store and exchange them for groceries. Wow. So, so for me, life balance is checks and hugs. Donald Cooper, you've shared so many ideas with us today. I, I knew this would be a fire hose of, of great insights and, and, and advice. I'm sorry we don't have more time. But, so have but me back. Well, have we, me back. <laughs> I offer, could do a offer, part two again. Yeah. Offer me the same extraordinary fee that you offered me the first time here. <laughs> Uh, I think you're a national treasure. I, I, I love your ideas, your ideas about clarity and managing consequences and simplifying and delighting people and trusting people. Um, so important. Make your business extraordinary. Four words to remember for the rest of your life. Do you have one final actionable piece of advice that you can share with our listeners? Yeah, download the darn business tools. <laughs> Donald at Donald at DonaldCooper.com forward slash YFBT. And you can subscribe to my free straight talk weekly management blog. It's two to three minutes every week to read. And it's no charge. If you don't like it after a couple of months, just press the undo button, but nobody does. Uh, that's fantastic. I, I receive I receive your, your, your newsletter and it and it's it, it's, it revives my spirit uh, immediately and always makes me think, why didn't I know this already? So, so, so that's, that, that's a very fair comment, and I hope readers will go out and subscribe and definitely check out those tools at DonaldCooper.com. Donald, thank you so much. Just keep on doing what you're doing, and, and you're, 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 you deserve the Order of Canada. Do you have it yet? Nope. Okay, we'll make it happen. Thanks so much. Okie dokie. Okay, bye-bye. Thanks, folks. Thank you for joining us this week in the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly show dedicated to unlocking the potential of every entrepreneur. Stay tuned another minute to hear the latest startup community news and the upcoming events lineup, including our hashtag Startup Chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 noon Eastern Time. I sometimes show up there too. Until next week, I'm your Startup Canada podcast host, Rick Spence. 